All right. Man, it's good to be here. Uh, Dennison said he might mention this. I'm going to grab my coffee over here. Dennison said he might mention this, but um, I don't know. Uh, I was telling him before we got here, the reason why you're here on a Tuesday night at Furman University at FCA is because about, let's see, 2006, how many years ago is that? 16 years ago, a little show came on TV uh, with Steve Carell called The Office. I'm sure you guys know it. We have some Office fans in here. It still is on reruns all the time. I was an FCA leader at the time, and uh, guys, it was Thursday nights at 8.30. Thursday nights, FCA 8.28. We couldn't compete with it. It was, it was Steve Carell or come, come to FCA, and we tried, and we just said, guys, we can't fight this anymore. Everybody wants to watch The Office. So we moved it to Tuesday nights. Everybody came back. And now here we are. So, like, this is a really fun history lesson, right? Like, you guys didn't even know you were going to get that tonight. But that's why we're here on a Tuesday night instead of a Thursday night. So, yeah, and, and then, uh, yeah, thanks for finding this. This is kind of funny. Another throwback. This just so happens to be your Christmas party night, right? Like, here's a throwback. We used to meet in the Watkins room. Uh, these were a couple of pictures I found when I heard it was Christmas night from back in the day, our FCA Christmas night. Somebody really went all out with the Cindy Lou Who right there. So, uh, yeah, you guys look great tonight, too. Though. So just some funny connections there to draw back. Yeah, so um, as Dennis has said, my name is Byron Smith. I came to Furman in 2004, and I realized as I came up here tonight, my wife said, hey, do you feel old that our girls are already going down to bed and you're leaving to now go speak to a group of students and you're not even going to start until 8.30? And I said, honestly, babe, I think I feel old because I just realized there may be some students in here who were born in 2004. Like, is that, is there anybody in here that was born in 2004? All right, cool. So I was coming here as a freshman back then. I know that's less about you guys and probably more of an indictment of myself there. But yeah, life happens really fast and really unexpectedly. And actually, I think that ties in a little bit to our, our message tonight. Um, but yeah, as Dennison said, um, when I graduated from it in 2008, uh, I stayed in Greenville. I, that wasn't really my plans. I'll talk about that later on tonight. It wasn't really what I thought I would be doing. I came to school and kind of thought, oh, I have a path that I want to go and follow and, and different dreams. And some of those have come true and some of them were dumb dreams and way better things have happened. Um, and so that's just how life has been. And, um, and it's been really good. And one of the fun things about being here in Greenville is I've gotten to stay connected some to Furman. And so I got to know Doug Allison really well. Uh, Callum's dad, he coaches soccer here. I, I know we probably have some soccer players in here, of course, and some supporters in here. And, uh, and so stayed connected with the university. Um, when Walker Zimmerman, who many of you might have watched today in the World Cup, came through, was really connected with some of those classes and kind of stayed around with some of the players back then and would help host some of the international kids and um, have just always had a passion for Furman students. So whenever somebody asks me to come do something at Furman, I always say yes because I really appreciate you guys. I've sat in that seat. I know what it's like. I know the challenges. And so I'm just gracious and grateful to be here to get to share God's word with you tonight. So thanks for having me. Um, so enough about me. Uh, a couple questions about you guys. So like quick show of hands so I know who I'm talking to. Freshmen in the room. Who do we got? Freshmen? Okay, pretty good. Sophomores? All right. Juniors? Nice. Really even spread. Seniors? Let's go. All right. Very cool. All right. Keep going with me. Who do I got? This in Lakeside Housing. Anybody? Okay. We got some Lakeside. South Housing. All right. Which one's better? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Figures. Figures. Uh, Off-campus apartments? That like wasn't even a thing when I, when I was here. Off-campus apartments? Is it a thing now? Still? No? North Village. North Village though, right? We got some North Village. I'm sure the upperclassmen, yeah, loving that extra space. Uh, what about who in here like knows their major? Yeah, all right, that's, that's good. Who, who knows, like, this is what I want to do as soon as I get done graduating? 
All right, a few less hands. Uh, what about athletes? Furman FCA, right? What athletes do we have in the room? We had a mix always, too, when I was in school. All right, pretty good mix. Uh, what about, like, who in here has a job? Who in here has a job? Whether it's university or elsewhere. Okay. I was an RA for a couple of years, so that was a job. That helped me pay the bills. Um, what about who in here is in state? Okay. What do we got? Show me my uh, my my Georgia peeps. I was a Georgia boy. Mary had a Georgia for me outside Atlanta. In case anybody wanted to go back, Lasseter High School. Nobody. There's like nobody for Lasseter High School. That'd be awesome. Whistle taking. Whistle taking. What about? I heard we got some Tennessee people, right? Tennessee. Okay. North Carolina. I'm sure we got some North Carolina people. All right. What about like? I just gotta go like up northeast. Like there's so many states up there. We got some northeast people. Okay. I see two hands in the back. What about? What about my uh, West Coasters? We got any West Coast? All right. We have a pretty good spread. Be proud of it. You can throw that hand up. There you go. Uh, All right. Let's see. uh, Who in here has done an internship yet? All right. Very, I'd encourage that. I think it's great. Who in here studied abroad? Also would encourage that. Didn't do it when I was in school. I've gotten to travel a lot internationally. You should study abroad if you have the chance. It's amazing. It's a great opportunity. I always wish I had done that. Uh, let's see. Last one's here. Who likes to study in their dorm room? All right. Who's like, I'm only in the library. Like, I got to have a room. All right. Who's here? Here's where I felt. Who's like in the classroom? Are you, can you still do that? You know, scan your card. Who's that in the classroom after hours? Yeah. Okay. That's where I was. I couldn't do the library. I would fail a test. Too many people. I needed to be that guy with a sign on my back that said like, don't talk to me. I'll get distracted. Because uh, otherwise that my grades would go down. All right. Well, uh, one last question. Who, who, who went to the pack this week? All right, good for you guys. Wow. Okay. Let's go. Furman FCA. That's pretty good. All right. All right. Hey, I will circle back to this in a little bit. I will circle back to that. But for now, um, I'm glad I got to know you guys a little bit better. And so now that we know each other a little bit better, we'll, we're, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to dive into what God has for us tonight. If you'll just pray with me. I know we prayed earlier, but we'll, we'll pray again and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, uh, tonight I stand before you and these students is just a man. Um, and yet, uh, your servants, who is empowered um, by your spirit. And so I pray, God, that these words uh, would be your words. I pray that these thoughts, um, the things that are of you, would sink in and penetrate our hearts and that they would change the way that we think and the things that we do. I pray that anything that else is, is, is not meant for tonight uh, or from you, God, it would fall away. And these students would walk away and myself more enamored and in love with you. We ask this in your name. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right, so whenever I had the chance to speak to students... One of the things, whether it's with a group or even if it's one-on-one, I think for the first time talking with somebody, I kind of love to talk about this question. So I want to share it with you tonight, and it's going to be a theme throughout the night, but really it's, what does God want? What do you think God wants? That's kind of a question for tonight. Um, And at first, it seems like a simple question. Probably something came to your mind almost right away. What does God want? You thought about it. The more you dwell on it, maybe the more you start to come up with some other ideas. Maybe your mind starts to churn. Maybe you have these ideas in your head. And, you know, next you're wondering, what does God want? And for some of you guys, like, the answer came super quickly. And you knew what it was in your head. You got it. Some of you maybe are still thinking about it. But also, the answer that you have, knowing each of us comes from different backgrounds. Uh, each of us has different experiences in our past. Things that shaped us into who we were. What answer seems obvious to you? may not be so obvious to the neighbor sitting right next to you. Um, So to begin tonight, just a little exercise. I'm going to lead us through it. We're going to think out loud together. I want to think about that question, what does God want? 
And I want us to just establish like a few basic working premises, if we can do that. And I think these are all things we'll agree on. So, so thinking about what does God want, one of the first things I think we should establish as a premise is like when we look at Scripture, we see that God is lacking nothing. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He, he, he's righteous. He's just. God is lacking nothing. He, he, he needs for nothing. We also see Scripture shows us that he's a relational being. So while he needs nothing, he also wants relationship and desires that. He existed outside the bounds of time as the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son together in perfect unity. Then he makes mankind, and he creates mankind to enjoy him. He walks with man in the garden. Then when mankind betrays him, he gives them instructions on how they should live and how they can be prosperous to protect them. And ultimately, at great cost to himself, he gives up his Son as salvation for his very creation that betrayed him. So God's very relational, right? So he, 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 he needs nothing, but yet he wants relationship. And then lastly, what we see throughout the Bible, again, this is high level, so we're just trying to make some premises. We see that God has this unique and just almost, when you think you begin to understand it, something else happens and it, and it makes you think in a different way. He has this balance of generosity and justice. Like all throughout Scripture we see this, right? Like All throughout Scripture we see that, that God is both generous and justice. He gives instructions and laws to help people to live prosperous lives. He sends prophets and warnings to the nation of Israel, to people when they go astray. Uh, oftentimes he gives repeated opportunities to those people who, who are breaking fellowship with him. And he's willing that none should perish. Scripture tells us that. And then at the same time, he also executes justice in this perfect wisdom that only he has. And sometimes it's even in quite frightening ways, right? We see that in Scripture. And so what that tells me, this, this, this line that he is able to perfectly balance between generosity and justice is that God has a plan. Um, he has a plan in place. And there's a time in coming, if we believe Scripture and we read Scripture, where that generosity and that justice is fully known. We hear that in the book of Revelation, where we're going to see God's generosity of the people that follow him and his justice for those people who have chosen against him. So the, 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 the question is, again, what does God want? So those three premises, they help us understand these truths about God. One, God needs nothing. He's fully set apart. He's worthy of all honor and praise. Two, God desires relationship with you and with us. And three, God has a plan to accomplish that relationship. So, so God needs nothing. He's set apart, yet God desires relationship with us. And what we see in the Bible is that he has a plan for achieving that relationship with us. And so what I'd offer tonight, then, is, is that the story of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, is one story. It's telling us and pointing us to the glory of God. It's demonstrating his desire to share that glory with his creation. And then ultimately, it's revealing to us his plan for accomplishing that. So we have that in mind. We look back at that question, what does God want? And this is, this is what I would offer for us, at kind of, again, that 30,000-foot level. And it's, it's important for the direction we're going in. I think what God wants when we, when we consider these premises is, is God wants every man, woman, and child to have the repeated opportunity to see, to hear, and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ without them having to come or go anywhere. God wants every man, woman, and child to see, to hear, and to respond to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, without them having to come or go anywhere. So he's a plan and a purpose. And we see this when we look all the way back to the Old Testament, we read the creation story. We see the fall of mankind. 
We watch as prophets and leaders of Israel point to the true and coming king who will be a deliverer, and yet they continue to fall short themselves. And then Jesus arrives on the scene in a very unexpected way that we celebrate and even sang about tonight, and he begins to turn everything upside down. And even his closest followers, they they don't connect with his message all the time. They don't fully understand God's plan, that he wasn't there to overthrow the political system, but he really came to forgive our sins, to restore that relationship to the God who desires relationship, and to rescue his people and offer this new way of living. And so what I would suggest to, to us tonight is like, this is, this is a big deal. It affects not just the characters of the Bible, but all of us. So like, regardless tonight, what you're here with your, your, your GPA or what grade you're in or your major or your hobbies, your church affiliation, your athletic ability, like the Bible tells us that God exists. He needed nothing, but he wanted a relationship with you and me. And even when we decided to rebel against him and rejected him and turned from him, he had a plan to bring us back to him. It's amazing news. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate as Christ followers every day. So God's plan was to accomplish through Jesus paying the penalty for sin and break the curse of death once and for all on, on the cross. And, and, and this is what I want to kind of spend the rest of our time with tonight. We know, though, that that plan was, was not just finished in that moment of resurrection. And we know this because we are told by Jesus himself. And so where I want us to go tonight, if you have your, your Bibles on your phone, or maybe if somebody uh, went old school Bible in the front row, let's go. I love that. I actually bring the Bibles. Y'all, y'all are doing some great stuff, by the way. Like, I've heard that y'all are podcasting. You've got the social media going. Like, we were not that organized, guys. Like, good job. This is great. We're bringing our Bibles. So cool. Um, we're going to look at two passages, and we're going to see this where God is, is saying, hey, the resurrection happens, this moment of Jesus conquering death. God's plan to restore people to him, and yet God, through Jesus, is continuing his plan. And we're going to see that tonight. So the first passage we're going to look at is Matthew 28, and then we're going to look at Acts 1. So if you want to go ahead and mark both of those ready, you can have them them ready. But I'll invite you to to look at those passages, Matthew 28 and Acts 1. And first we're going to look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, and I invite you to consider those words with me. Uh, We're going to specifically read verse 18. Um, And what I want to give you a little bit of context here is here's Jesus. He's talking to the disciples. He suffered the cross. He has been resurrected. Resurrected. He's appeared to many. And, uh, and now he's at the end of his earthly ministry. And really, this is amounting to maybe the final moments that Jesus is physically present in body and spirit with his disciples. And this is what he says in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Anybody heard this verse before? Anybody remember what the name of this verse is? It has a special name in the the Christian liturgy. The Great Commission. Great. Yeah, the Great Commission, right? If you spent any time growing up in the church, you probably heard this passage before. There's something that I do want to point out to us here that I think is oftentimes, for sure, I admit, first read over it, don't even think about it, right? There's a lot going on here in this little passage. And one of the little details, almost hidden, that you can overlook, I want to point out, is the fact that Jesus, in this passage, unlike most leaders, unlike most leaders the world's ever seen, in this moment where it is the ripe opportunity for him to say, I'm taking power now. Things are going to be done differently. I'm the new guy. I'm the king. I'm in charge. 
We're going to completely overthrow Rome. Let's do this thing. Jesus actually says, nope, here's my authority. I'm sharing it freely with my followers. He gives it away. He says that the mission will now go on through them. That this moment, what appears to be the crescendo of events that leads to Jesus taking the ultimate power and beginning his reign as king, and he does something almost unexpected, certainly unexpected to the disciples. We're going to see in just a moment in Acts 1 8. Like he looks around and he says, Hey, authority has been entrusted to me. Like, I've changed lives with you. I've taught messages beside you. Now I'm entrusting those things to you guys. This is your role now. This is part of your fulfilling God's plan. Jesus, at the end of his time here on earth, he summarizes it by saying, All authority has been given to me, and now I'm giving power and authority for you to go. I am sending you the Great Commission. And because no message can be a classic message worth its salt without a nod to Webster's Dictionary, Webster's Dictionary says commissioning is the act of entrusting a person or group with power and authority. This is the Great Commission passage. Entrusting the followers of Christ with power and authority, delegated from God through Jesus. This moment where Jesus has been sent by God to fulfill God's plan to restore the brokenness of the world back to him. Jesus says, hold up. Plan's not over. You, my followers, the mission now is going to continue and go through you. Pivotal moment in God's plan that we can't miss. If you click on over to Acts 1-8, or flip your Bibles if you brought them, we get another written account of this commission message. And here, Scripture actually tells us even the disciples like, had a hard time processing this. Like, just, just put yourself back in their shoes. This is like, do I got any Hallmark Christmas movie fans in here? I know we got to have, like, this is like setting itself up to be like the perfect crescendo moment of like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, here's this guy that came on the scene. Things weren't great. He came out of nowhere. He saved the day. Tragedy hit. He died. Surprise, spoiler alert, he came back better than ever, and now he's going to take charge, and everybody's going to live happily ever after. Boom. Bow on the story. Wrap it up. We're done. Right? That's not what happens here. It's like a plot twist happens all of a sudden. Acts 1-6, the disciples are gathered around Jesus, and they say, Lord, is this not the time when you're going to restore your kingdom in Israel? Fully expecting this, right? Basically, hey, you're ready to rise to power. We're here with you. Let's do it, right? And Jesus says, no. Like, now is the time where I'm going to give you power. You're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses. Acts 1, 6 through 8 says, They gathered around him, the disciples, and they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, It's not for you to know the time, the date, the Father is set on his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here is the Bible. We're given this story. It spans across thousands of years. The entire Old Testament, the complete history of the nation of Israel, the prophecy for the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. In Matthew 28, we see where he's going, this perfect storybook ending where he accepts the crown. The disciples anticipate this. But instead, Jesus says, all right, you go. This is part of God's story. This is part of God's plan. This is part of the mission of redemption. You go. Two simple words, pronoun and a verb. But if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ Jesus, 
these two words uh, should affect you and I profoundly. You go. When Jesus says, you go, it becomes very clear that the story ending is not what everyone else expected. That the story is meant to continue. That there is, there is something still more to God's plan. Remember, we said in the beginning, God needed and wanted for nothing. He, he, he wanted a relationship with us, and he had a plan to accomplish it. And that perfect ending of, all right, resurrection, we're ready to go, the story continues in Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8. And it has a huge role in the life of a Christ follower. These, these passages inform us there is more to God's plan. And wow, like we get to take part in that. Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8 basically tell us that the very reason that the earth is still spinning today is because God desires for all men, women, and children to have the repeated opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel. And what was initially puzzling to disciples, if we take a moment and we reflect, it becomes clearer and clearer. I'll just point out, like, the reason the story continues is not because God needs more time to build an army that could overthrow Rome or to recruit more followers so he can take on Satan and his minions, right? We said in the beginning, like, God, he needs nothing. He's all-powerful. The, the reason the story continues is not because God enjoys being separated from his creation. Like, even in Matthew 28 and next one, we see that could be far from the truth because what does he do? He says, like, I'm going somewhere, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you my spirit to be with you. To, to, to lead you back and to help steer that relationship with me. So, like, actually the reason the story continues is because God is fully balanced between his generosity and his justice. He's willing that none would perish. He is patient. Like the reason the story continues today is because God wants a relationship with you. God loves you. God has chosen you before the foundation of the world to be part of his family. He sent his son to die for you. He says that you are worthy. You're prized. You're good enough. I want you. And that's why his plan still plays out right now in this moment. The, the very breath that you just breathed in. What does God want? Why does the story continue? God wants every man, woman, and child to have the repeated opportunity to see, hear, respond to the gospel without them having to come or go anywhere. And so I just, as we, as we move kind of toward the end here, I just want to, you know, wrestle with that. Like, what, what, how does that leave things for us? What is that, what's the takeaway? What does this mean for us? And so I think I would propose something to kind of two groups. One, if, if you've yet to trust Jesus, like, you have a choice. Um, you have a choice. You have to consider, like, do you believe, a, what do you believe about what we've discussed? What do you believe about this message? Like, have you taken the time to figure this out for yourself because it's not something that anybody else can do for you. Your pastor, your parents, a podcast. Like, this is something for you to believe and choose. And because God is all loving, he's not going to force himself on you. That's not loving. And so the reality is not everybody's going to choose to follow Jesus. And so I, I would just, to you, if you're that person tonight, I would just appeal to you to explore God's generosity. And at the same time, like, I would also encourage you to understand his justice. Both his generosity and his justice, just when you think you have them figured out sometimes, God expresses them in, in new ways. 
And then two, if you are a Christ follower here tonight, I think where I want to land and the, the takeaway is really just a word of encouragement. For, for those of you who are here tonight and you've decided to follow Jesus, who like the disciples, you've been commissioned to carry out God's plan. If the reason that the earth is still spinning today is because God is patient and kind and loving, willing that none would perish, then, then you are here and you have a relationship with God, and it should change everything you and I do. If this is true, then that means that you and I, as Christ followers, like we're a part of God's plan for redemption in the world and realizing that masterful plan, and we have a role to play in God's mission. If there was no commissioning, no sending, no you-go passage, otherwise why not be whisked away the very moment that we choose to, to have a relationship with God through, through Christ and be with the Father? But instead, Jesus says, you go because of God's generosity and his justice. And because he has a plan that's playing out over human history. And in that plan, it takes into account that once you know him, you become a part of making him known. For this reason, Jesus says, I'm commissioning you. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you power. I'm giving you my spirit. And so like, to the Christ followers that are here tonight, like, recognize that, that we serve a God who is on mission, that loves people. And he wants to redeem his creation. And whatever God's going to do in the world, don't miss this. He's going to use all of Christ's people, not just a few select spiritual superstars. Like, guys, we live in, y'all grew up in a day and age, even though I, I personally don't consider myself that far removed from, from you guys, uh, <laughs> although it's getting to be that case now. Like, you guys grew up in an age of, like, celebrity stardom, celebrity pastor, influencer, right? I was just joking with some of my guys on a text thread, actually some of my best friends. Um, I was texting today with a couple of my, my boys that we all went to Furman together. None of us knew each other coming into Furman. Four guys, all Christ followers, love the Lord. We served in FCA leadership together. And I said, hey guys, I got to go back and speak to FCA tonight. You know, throw up a prayer for me and our students. And um, somehow we got sidetracked off of that. And one of the guys was like, like, do you think any of us would have been an influencer if like we grew up like in this era and I was like I'm not even gonna entertain this um, like you guys though grew up in this it's like hey you know what like there's people out there they have a platform like let them carry the message and like they will say it a lot better than I will like they will live it out to a lot more people than I could um, you know they will just be better at the way they carry themselves like that is that is great but like God's plan is not going to be accomplished through a few select spiritual superstars. Like, you have the power and authority of Christ. Like, you are a spiritual superstar. And the beauty of that is, like, the beauty of being a, a spiritual superstar is, like, when you fail, you know Christ. And, like, there is redemption there for you. The power is not in the way that, that you walk your life. Like, the power is not in the way that Andrew wakes up every single day and says, like, I'm going to be Jesus today. And I'm going to, like, change the world. Like, the power is, like, I know Jesus, and I'm going to introduce the world to him today. And I hope I can do that in my conversations. I hope I can do that in the way I carry myself. Even more importantly, I hope I can do that in the way I deal with the things that stress me out. I hope I can, I hope I can do this in the way that I deal with the things that are broken in my life. 
I hope I can be vulnerable and point other people to the reality that I'm an imperfect vessel in need of a Savior just as much as them. And in doing that, there's authenticity. In doing that, there's something deeper than any influencer could ever possibly offer. There is a real warm body that seeks to serve the living God that's sitting beside somebody who may not know them and seeing and watching and observing not what Andrew or Byron or Willie are doing, but what Christ is doing through them. There's real power in that. Life-transforming power. That is the you-go, right? I'm not concerned with, like, how many things can you do right. And I, I grew up, and when I came to Furman, like, my, my dad was a pastor. And I feel like uh, a lot of the things I did in high school were because, like, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. And in, in hindsight, I look back and I go, good news kept me out of a lot of trouble. Because my dad was a pastor, I didn't want to make him look bad. Bad news terrible theology right like I came to Furman and it was kind of like all right I have a choice like my dad's not around here anymore what am I going to do and that not legalism but certainly that like hey I have to perform in order to be loved in order to be accepted in order to live up to the expectations of 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 God which he did not place on me because he already used Jesus to satisfy that or my dad which he did not place on me I created Right. But like I came to Furman and thought like, all right, I, I have a chance to figure things out. And like I, I did not really think I understood what it meant to follow Jesus out of the beauty and adoration of who Jesus was until I was a sophomore here at Furman. Like my freshman year, I still made choices that were against what a lot of my peers were doing. But I did those out of a sense of like duty and obligation. Like, I'm here to tell you that, like, God loves you so much through Jesus that he wants you to experience his beauty of allowing you to be who you are, to accept you for who you are, and to say, hey, once you've come to me and I've laid my covering on you, I'm not going to leave you in that spot, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to surround you with people that are going to encourage you, that are going to help you grow to be more like me. And through that, you have my power. You have my authority. You can go to this campus, to this city, to this state. Man, Furman produces world leaders, guys, like to the world. And yet at the same time, because I'm a God who is intentional and have a plan, like my purpose for you, like there's nothing wasted. Whether you become the next president of the United States or you get to be a stay-at-home mom, like those things have huge implications for the kingdom all around that God wants. When I came to Furman, I thought, all right, I got four years. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go move to the West Coast. I'm going to do the things I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. And for my first two years at Furman, I just want to share this with you tonight. Some of you sat in this seat. Like, I came here pretty much like, hey, yeah, I love God. He's good to me. I'm going to be obedient to him. But ultimately, like, I'm here for four years and then I'm gone. So, like, I'll just kind of do my thing. And, like, somebody came my sophomore year and said, hey, what if maybe just maybe, like, God actually is so intentional with his plan that your story could have played out at any time in human history and yet, you're here, right now, in this room, in Greenville, South Carolina. That hit me, because I just thought, like, the Furman bubble's real. I'm sure that's still a thing. You guys probably joke about it. Like, I came to campus freshman and sophomore year, I can cut myself an excuse and say, I didn't really know much what was going on in Greenville. But, like, by the time I was a junior, I began to see, like, man, there's, like, kids in need in our city. There's hunger issues. Like, there is extreme poverty. There's, like, a lot of challenges that, like, I'm a kid with means. Like, I have a brain that God's given me. And I have a heart. And oh, by the way, God has sent me. You go. Like wherever God wants the gospel to go, 
The power is that when we leave this room tonight, it goes in 140 different directions wherever he wants it to go, if that's my mindset. And all of a sudden now, I have the opportunity to change the world through the power of God that's working in me. Because wherever I go, if I'm a Christ follower, the gospel goes in me. And so maybe, just maybe, if I'm here in Greenville, like, yes, God's placed me on a sports team. Or, or yes, maybe God has, you know, put me in an 8 a.m. class for political science. Like, but, like, also, like, what is God doing in the city around me? Like, what is God doing? Maybe, maybe just maybe I should find ways to invest in the community. Maybe just maybe I should find ways to invest in my hallmates. Maybe just maybe I should find ways to think intentionally about the gifts God has given me and how I can steward them well. Even when I'm in college, you guys are so far from your primary years of of influence that you're going to have. But like God is still moving and using you and wants to use you right now and changing other people's lives right now. I still have uh, conversations with, with professors that I had when I was here. Even professors that aren't even here at Furman anymore that, that aren't believers, but, but we had that intentionality. And like God really moved my junior and senior year and began to allow me to see like, hey, I want to make the most of this time that I have because like I'm not really promised relationships with any of these people. Like, this is the most community that you'll ever have, like, close together with everybody right now. And the most amazing opportunity to say, I'm going to seize this moment and really believe what God said in Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8 applies to my life. That, that he is sending me, his plan is not yet accomplished, and he wants to use me in my story, even the broken parts of my story, to point to his re- redemptive power. And so, a lot right there to throw at you guys. But like, I just want to encourage you that your story matters. It could have played out in anywhere in the course of human history and here you are in Furman University don't just come here and think about four years and take your degree and on to the next thing it's easy to do like I get it some of you have dreams and plans and that's awesome I encourage that like don't miss those two words you go that's today like that is this moment that's when we leave this room here in just a minute like maybe just maybe your class schedule matters more than just you getting your degree. Maybe God's put you there intentionally to sit beside somebody who needs to see how his redemptive story plays out in your life. Maybe, just maybe, your time in Greenville is more than just getting a degree, but actually becoming a part of a local church and investing in that, even if it's only for a very short period of time. I love that you guys had a list of people that are involved in local churches here. If you're not involved in a local church, Throw that list up every FCA. I'm sure you guys do. Amazing. Talk to one of those people. Get involved in the local church. It's so important to be surrounded by other believers. Like maybe, just maybe, the hallmates that you have, that you're surrounded by, some who I'm sure annoy you, like maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that you can choose that it's not just a chore to invest in them, but by God's brilliant plan. Like you can actually come around them and let them see God moving through you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You could, you, you could be the only hallmate or building mate that somebody ever has who shows them what a, tr- a life that truly demonstrates walking with Christ looks like. And I'm not saying that to guilt anybody. I, I actually hope it inspires you. Like, God loves you. You're at Furman. You've already achieved something amazing in life. And you're going to achieve even more. But, like, I would encourage you to not miss these moments. Like, Christ followers in the room, don't put off living your faith today. Don't just go through the motions thinking you're going to get somewhere later in life where now you have a platform. Like, it's just like sports. Like, you, you, you're, you, you practice, you practice, you practice. Like with our faith, we practice it, we practice it, we practice it. It's not like there's, you're going to get to the stage one day and be like, okay, I'm, I'm a pro now. Like, I've made it. Now I can start, like, sharing my story. Like, it becomes something that we do now. 
and we begin to work that, and we begin to live that, and we begin to love others, and like that just builds into a lifestyle of following Jesus and knowing Jesus. And so I, I just, I'll leave us with this. Like, I encourage you that God has placed you, if you're a Christ follower, God has placed you here for a reason. He sent you, commissioned you with power, with authority. He has delegated you as a representative and said, you go. He's worth more than just a Tuesday night. He's worth more than just a Sunday morning. He's extended power to you, the Christ follower in this room, for everyday transformative living. I asked this at the beginning. I'm going to bring it back now. I'll invite the band to come up to the stage. I just want us to think through this. Like at the very beginning, you know, we ask, where did you go to study this week? Maybe who's gone to the pack? Who's studied in a dorm? Who's studied in a class? Where did you go to eat? Where did you, you know, go to... Do you guys still have CLPs? (laughs) So awesome. What CLPs did you attend this week, right? Like, the reason, the first reason that you did those things, the first reason you did those things was not to check a box, to be healthy, to learn a, a cultural learning program credit. Like, the first reason why you did that as a Christ follower is because you were sent. Like, you go. You went there on a mission of God's plan, his, redemption, his redemptive plan to represent him. And, like, that's the primary reason that you went there, whether you chose to like that or not. Like, that, if you were a Christ follower, that's the primary reason you went there. And so I just encourage you to think, like, you know, was that your, was, was, were you aware of that? Because if you were aware of it, it's amazing. Like, I hope maybe just in some small way, when we begin to open our eyes to the fact that, like, the first reason I go to the grocery store is not just to get food for my family so that my, my seven-year-old and my five-year-old can have a full belly at night. Like, the first reason I go, the gospel goes in, in me. And so I want to be aware. I want to listen. I want to love others well. I don't want to rush through the moments. I want to do the mundane things and realize there's life-changing impact that can happen there. And that's not always simple. Like, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. Life is complicated. I remember sitting in the seat thinking, I'm maxed out. Like, I don't have any more time to give anywhere. Uh, it just gets harder and harder, guys. Like, it, it, it really does. You have so much time right now. You have so much influence right now. You have so much ability to shape things and, to, and shape people right now. Life, it's hard. It's complicated. It, and it only gets harder. And so that's why it's important when we gather in moments like this with the body, we encourage one another. Right? We sing together. We remind one another God has a plan and we have a role in it. It's easy to forget that. We get busy. It's finals week. Like, huge props to you guys for making it out tonight when I know you've got finals looming over you. I know people are stressed. But, like, we came here together to be encouraged, to laugh together, to sing together, to remind one another that there is a purpose even greater than just getting that really expensive degree from Furman University and moving on to the next thing. And so, like, I hope that you are encouraged by that tonight. If you are a Christ follower, you have a role in God's plan. If you're not a Christ follower, again, I encourage you that, like, there's a role for you, too. God wants to know you. He needed nothing but he wanted to know you to the extent that he created this plan he would give his only son for you and to the extent that it didn't just end there like everybody thought the perfect hallmark bow ending nope jesus said you go and so to the christ followers here like 
what does that mean? Where are you going? In your coming, in your going, in the mundane things. You have power. You have authority. You represent Christ to a lost world. Every man, woman, and child, the repeated opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel without them having to come or go anywhere because the gospel goes in you. <coughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the life-changing news of the gospel. You came to redeem what was broken and lost. And you did that through your son, Jesus. And so, Jesus, as we think about your words to your disciples in Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8, this commissioning to go. God, I pray for these students tonight that, that the pressure would be off, that they wouldn't hear the, commission, the commissioning as go and perform. That they would hear the commissioning as, man, go and fall in love with Jesus and share that love with the lost world around. God, would, would we learn what it means to, to repent to one another? Would we learn what it means to be honest with one another? Would we learn what it means to understand our lack of understanding so that we can point both our souls and the souls around us to you as the author and perfecter of faith, as the salvation, as the way, the truth, and the light. God, and in doing so, we would represent you to a lost world. God, would you use this room? Would you, would you give these students opportunities, even in the everyday mundane things, to realize that maybe, just maybe, their life could have played out. If you have a plan, their life could have played out at any time in human ministry, and yet you chose to allow it to play out here. You brought them from all over to come to Furman University, to Greenville, South Carolina, to have opportunities even then to, to go and work at companies already, to go and study abroad and to take the good news of the gospel with them wherever they go, even to those places at this age. And God, will we not miss that? Would we never become so obsessed with our own plan, our own dreams, our own achievement, that we forget what you've done for us on the cross and how that changes everything and those words that you tell us, you go, that commissioning, that there is power, there is authority that is given to us through Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples, to to allow your redemptive narrative to be demonstrated and told through our lives. God, encourage these students, grant them peace, grant them grace, grant them wisdom. And Lord, may they fall ever more in love with you as you shape their lives. You are, you are the giver of all good things, Father, and worthy of our worship and praise. And so we lift this song now to you from our hearts. Amen.